This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now on The Law School Show. Hello everyone, my name is Kathleen and we have Megan and Stephanie here today from uh, Court Coach to share with us uh, their experiences of starting their own practice, a bit about their law school experience, uh, and of course any tips and tricks that they have to share with our listeners here today. So let's start off with telling us about yourself without talking about the law. So who would like to go first? Uh, so I'm Stephanie Smith. I'm a uh, co-founder of Court Coach LLP. Um, on a personal level, I'm an avid reader. I'm an avid traveler. Um, I play softball and baseball, and I'm a huge political and podcast news junkie. And I'm Megan. I'm uh, 33. I am the other half of Court Coach. Um, I like to compete with Steph on traveling. We tend to, to calculate how many countries we've been and then try to up, up each other on that. Um, but right now I'm not traveling too much because I'm expecting my first child. <laughs> and trying to balance owning a business with that. So, <laughs> Well, congratulations. Oh my goodness, that's such exciting news. Um, what was your law school experience like? And in retrospect, what is one thing you would have done differently? For me, this is Megan. For me, it was uh, it was definitely overwhelming, like it is for most people. Uh, overwhelming less about the workload, which obviously we know is is significant, but more, I guess, about expectations. Um, always wondering, you know, what's a good fit and where do I fit in. I personally was terrified of litigation and the Socratic method and anything that threw me out of my comfort zone. Um, it wasn't natural to me, so. Um, but at the same time, you, you, I went to the University of Ottawa, and it was a great community to be a part of. Um, the students and, and the activities and everything available to us really made it enjoyable. So I really did like law school. Um, but looking back, I guess, doing things differently, I probably actually would have forced myself to do more of what was out of my comfort zone, more of the practical things from... Um, what we hear about from students now is that they have a lot more options available to them in terms of practical courses, mediation courses. Um, I think at our time is really just trial advocacy. So I probably would have thrown myself more in uh, at the time just to to learn more while you're in school because that's the time to fail versus waiting till you're out. And I'm litigating now, so I probably would have gone back and do done more of that. <laughs> you, Steph. Uh, I, I also agree that it was, um, it was hard. Law school was hard. Uh, there were times where I was overwhelmed. There were many times where I didn't really understand what was going on, but I, for me at least, it all came together eventually, so just persevere. Um, but it was also an amazing experience. I made a lot of friends. I have great memories participated in a lot of activities and social events and uh, I learned a lot from law school. Um, I echo Megan's comments that uh, I think you should step outside your comfort zone a bit um, but the ever advice that I wish I had taken uh, was to utilize the career services even more. Um, your tuition pays for that service and their job is to help you find a job. And during law school, I oftentimes felt that I was most stressed when I was thinking about what am I going to do for a summer job? What am I going to do after I graduate? 
Um, and so I wish I had used career services more. And both of you attended U Ottawa. Um, I know that Stephanie, you were in the French. I was in the French common, common law, law program, program, and then Megan, you were in the English yes. common law program. Um, how did you end up meeting each other? So Megan and I went to law school at the same time, but I don't actually have any active memories of meeting you in yeah. law school. Uh, but Megan and I were started working at the same firm. I had been working there for a year when Megan started articling there. Great. Um, and how did you make your decision about the uh, practice area that you wanted to specialize in? So I always knew I wanted to do family law. Um, I, there was never a doubt for me about that. Uh, I really enjoyed criminal law as well, um, but I felt like I enjoyed it more as a spectator and not a participant. Uh, but for me, I, I, didn't have, I didn't have the struggle of, of figuring out what I wanted to do. Uh, and I'm a bad example because I completely went off course. I actually focused most of my studies on international law and human rights and sort of the areas that were interesting to me. Um, I did do a few family courses. I just never thought I'd actually end up in private practice. So, um, so yeah, so I didn't really choose, <laughs> you know, to specialize early on. I just sort of fell into it and then developed an interest in it and, uh, and, and mostly articled in it, so that's what, what drove my career path. Mm -hmm. And do you have a piece of advice for someone who is still looking for an area of interest? I know you mentioned that it's sort of, you went off course and wasn't really something that uh, you thought you would sort of practice in, but um, if someone's sort of trying to figure out what they want to do, what's the best way to approach it? I'd say definitely taking different courses in different areas that maybe you think might be cool. Um, you never know. And then that, that's where career services and, you know, doing your research in terms of careers comes in because lawyers can be so many other things than um, just litigators and, and working, you know, for, for the bigger firms. There's a lot of uh, different options out there. So, you know, it's a long career and the best thing to do is to get into an area that you actually really enjoy and find interesting. So I'd say just expose yourself to, to different areas that you think you might like um, before really picking and focusing on one stream if you're not so sure about it. And why did both of you choose to specialize in family law and also the child protection matters? I personally, uh, I... I liked the idea of working with families. I gravitated more towards the social services um, and counseling aspects of the law and interacting with clients. Um, I really wanted to help people in their everyday lives and make a difference. And in child protection in particular, um, child protection is somewhat of a quasi-criminal aspect uh, to it, and I, I enjoyed that part of it. So it fulfilled my need to do some criminal law. Mine was about the same. I really like the client interaction. I really like the idea of helping people in, you know, the worst time of their lives, really, and, and is dealing with really personal issues, their their kids, their home, and um, they just need guidance during a difficult time. So um, I definitely like that aspect of it. And also the options, there's a lot of ADR available, right? We're, mm -hmm. we're constantly doing things outside of litigation. We're doing mediation and... Uh, four-way negotiations and go to children lawyer disclosure meetings where we end up settling so uh, I like that side of the law a little more than litigating so uh, family law has a lot of that.
In terms of alternative dispute resolution, uh, do you do that mostly through throughout your practice, or is it um, something you sort of had to learn as you went? I think we do it most of the time. Maybe not officially. It's we're not always in a mediation, but we're always negotiating. We're always uh, trying to problem solve and going back and forth and communicating. It's it especially in family law, I mean, we're always trying to stay out of court as much as possible. Um, so it might not be in an official capacity, but I, I feel like I do ADR all day long most of the time. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's just, especially in family law, it's just so much better suited for what clients need when you're talking about, you know, who's going to drive the kids on this day and what activities they're going to take. A court doesn't have time to deal with all the details. So in family law, ADR is a, a great solution, something we encourage often. Right. And let's jump right into talking about your practice. So if either, either of you would like to share a bit about um, your practice, uh, when it started, um, how it started, I think that would be um, great. And, and perhaps even looking into why you started your own practice to begin with. So we opened up Court Coach three years ago, July 1st, 2014. Uh, for me personally, uh, I was at a time in my life where I needed a change and a challenge and the right opportunity uh, came before me at the right time and I, I decided to take that leap and to take, take that chance. Um, it happened, it all came together over a lunch one random day. Uh, I don't know if Maggie, you want to tell that story? Yeah, we actually just, we literally went for lunch because we were friends after working at Delaney's. And um, we just decided we were both at a point where we wanted to do something else. We both really liked the idea of doing something that didn't focus so much on litigation, um, but took sort of a coaching side of the practice. Um, and at the time, we didn't really know legal coaching had been coined as a term. It was actually just the year prior that it had. Uh, but we sat there and came up with the name Court Coach while we were eating lunch, and we just decided to open up. So a few months later, we did. And, and to be clear, and I, I feel like you would agree with this, I didn't go to that lunch thinking I was coming out of no, it with a... that was not the point of the new, lunch at all. No, we were just <laughs> going to catch up, and then things happened from there, yeah. And what is legal coaching? I know, I know you mentioned it briefly. So it's sort of, um, and it's actually gaining uh, popularity, and, and we're, we're working with um, a fellow from the Law Foundation who's actually trying to build on the legal coaching practice, and they're hoping to do some CPD and some training for uh, potentially students, but also lawyers, um, as a new area and a new way of practicing. It sort of focuses on staying off the record in a court case and actually coaching self-represented parties through the system. So you're doing a lot of limited scope services, which are already out there, but you're also potentially being retained on an ongoing basis behind the scenes. So a lot of people don't necessarily do it because of the liability fears. You have to really be on top of um, your retainers and, and expectations into what you, as to what you can do and what knowledge you have, given that you're not in court. But it's a great way to help those who can't afford full-time lawyers. Um, and it's a great way to stay out of court for us since we prefer this, the you know, client interaction and, and uh, helping those who need it through the system. Thank yeah, you. I was going to say, I normally describe it to clients as we offer support services and guidance to self-represented litigants. And self-represented litigants make up now more than 50% of uh, family law participants. And... Um, 
you know, we, we just help them with all the questions that they may have about procedural issues, uh, document review, um, just general strategy, things like that. Mm -hmm. Great. And tell us a bit about the, some difficulties or challenges you've faced when starting your own practice. Um, I guess for one, for me, it was, you know, the panic of the up and down. You never know when business is going to come in. Um, and fortunately, and everyone says this, it, it ebbs and flows, but it always comes back, right? You have slow weeks, but inevitably you are going to have a busy week. The business is there. Family law is not going anywhere, <laughs> unfortunately for society, but fortunately for family lawyers. Um, and so it was just kind of getting comfortable with that and not uh, allowing ourselves to panic on those slow weeks. Um, I guess the only other one was, you know, trying to get your name out there and realizing that a lot of it has to do with reputation and not so much with picking maybe the ideal marketing strategy, but having a good reputation, getting referrals from other lawyers and really being respected by other lawyers who are going to uh, help get your name out there into other, other people in the field. Yeah, for me, just learning how to run a business was the uh, biggest difficulty. It was never something I expected to do. I didn't know anything about it, um, and that in turn leads to, Megan spoke about this, uh, you know, stress and fears about, you know, it being a failure, you're not making money, not having clients, so managing, you know, your own expectations, um, and having self-discipline, working for yourself and making, you don't have a boss anymore, so you're the one who has to you know, decide to go to work every day, work hard, um, you're not, resp you're not uh, responding to someone anymore and their instructions, you're your own boss and that's a big responsibility. Mm -hmm. And tell us about some mistakes you've made throughout your journey of starting your own practice. You know, I can't really think of any specific mistake that we made or anything it may be. I don't know if I would have done anything necessarily differently, but I, I do want to make a comment that I think it's very important, especially if you're starting a law firm with other people, to pick the right partners. Um, I, I attribute much of our success to our ability to work, Megan and I, with each other. Um, I don't come to work every day concerned about our relationship we communicate very well, and I think, um, I think that that is why we've we've done so well for ourselves. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, in terms of mistakes, the only one I could really think of is is um, really learning that as your own boss, you get to filter your cases and take on a what is business smart for your business. For example, we're two lawyers. There are some cases where in that first year we ended up doing a whole lot of pro bono because we didn't really think. You know, in terms of we took everything, you know, in this rush to really build your business versus taking those strategically that probably would have been better suited for our firm, um, especially from a business sense. So I guess that was my mistake is taking on the ones that, you know, for our, we were too small to do too much pro bono. We did a lot of it in our first year um, just because of our choice of cases. So I probably would have, you know, been better at that and we've worked on that. But other than that, yeah, it was, it was a great, great first year. I think that one piece of advice of making sure the person that you're going to start your practice with is someone you can work um, together with, but also trust in that they would, you know, 
have their own share uh, into the business and put in the the effort that is necessary to to really build a business from from scratch. Um, so I think that one piece of advice is, is most certainly something that uh, anyone out there who's looking to start a practice should should consider and should really look into. And just making sure you have the same goals. Like yeah. some people look at it as a business as a way to sort of reduce their work hours or, you know, whereas others think of it as a way to make more money and they're going to work late hours. So you really want to have those open conversations before you get into business with someone. Um, and then speaking from experience, having actually opened another business before where we aren't, we weren't all the, on the same page. So um, now Stephanie and I are, and we complement each other. We're, mm. We have totally different styles and totally different contributions to the business, but it really does complement and works well. So um, that was definitely one of my biggest tips as well if you're opening your own practice. And what do you do on a day-to-day basis? It changes every day. As family lawyers, we are in meetings, mediations, negotiations. We're in court on all different court appearances because there there's about several mandatory ones and then other you know, random ones, sometimes in urgent motions where everything else gets dropped. And uh, suddenly we're in court. We do our own court runs because we're small. Um, and we're always, you know, we might be at a children's lawyer disclosure meeting and then in court the afternoon. So every day is literally different. Um, and we just try to, the, the benefit of owning your own firm is that there's flexibility with your schedule. So you sort of work things around to sort of spread those out. But realistically, that's, uh, that's the reality is that it's, it's different every day. And I, I completely agree with that, that comment. Every, and even, you don't always know how your day is going to go. Um, but I would say every day we spend our days managing crises and trying to solve problems. Um, how that takes shape might be different, but that's what we do all day long. And so with that, what is the best thing about your practice? I'd say to build on what I just said, flexibility. I mean, creating, taking your own cases that you choose, um, picking the schedule you want and being able to, you know, maintain a work-life balance with that. That's what I love about owning our own business. We work hard, but we also, you know, in the summers we often leave early on Fridays because that's what we decided as a firm we deserved to do. <laughs> and we just, you know, you get to work around what's happening in your own life. Um, so I'd say that's one of the best things about the practice. Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of owning your own business. Yeah, the freedom. Um, it's uh, the freedom to pick your clients, your cases, your workload. It's, uh, it's the best. The other thing I'd say is the satisfaction in helping people in our particular field in family law. The best part about it is just, you know, the comfort that people going through these tough times are getting from advice. We often hear, thank you, I feel a lot better. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just sort of calming them down and sort of rock counselors, but it's that aspect of them getting, um, some, some guidance and some relief from speaking with a lawyer that I find most satisfying about family law. And I'll add on to that. I've just thought about this, the um, satisfaction and pride of opening your own business it's, and having it run well, it's something um, that I'm very proud of. What did you learn from starting your own business? What are maybe one, one key takeaway, you would say? from starting your business up to date. Honestly, that you can accomplish a lot more than you might think in law school, especially. Um, the very fact that I thought I couldn't do private practice and now I own my own firm is a big, you know, leap. 
and something I never thought I would do when I was in law school. So it's really realizing that you can make your practice whatever you want if you put you know, the research into it and the time into it. Use your mentors wisely. Um, use other lawyers and other students you know, to your advantage in terms of mentoring and, and uh, building on that. But yeah, that you can, you know, it's so overwhelming in law school, you think, you know, you're in awe of lawyers, you're in awe of judges, everything seems so, um, so big and overwhelming. And, and it just, in reality, you're going to get into practice and suddenly you're a first year lawyer against a 20 plus year lawyer, and you're both on the same, you know, even playing field when it comes to the court. So um, it's good just to, to be confident and go out and do what you want to do. Um, doing it competently and, and doing it the right way, but um, knowing that you really can accomplish uh, what you want. And if you want to own your own practice, it's really not that hard to do. I would say in terms of uh, what I learned from starting my own practice is um, know the value of your work, um, especially when... It, taking on cases, if you're taking on pro bono cases, or if you're giving out free legal advice, that has value. Um, when you do that, uh, you're not paying yourself. And it's important to know, to bring in money into the business. I mean, you could be the most successful lawyer in the world. If you're not bringing in money, if you can't pay your rent, none of that will matter. Um, you need to know your overhead, you need to know how much money, what your bottom line is, what you need to bring in every month to make sure that everything gets paid and that you get paid. Did you learn, so those those skills are almost touching upon sort of business, foundational business skills. Did you learn that in law school or was this sort of learning as you go and uh, really seeing what resources and support you needed? No, I didn't, I didn't learn any of that in law school. I don't know if you did. I didn't. Um, it, you kind of have to learn as you go. Um, but, you know, all you need is one month of not getting paid, and you learn it real quick. Um, and that's what, I mean, at the end of the day, yes, we are lawyers, uh, but more importantly, we are business owners. We are in charge of making our own money. And if we don't work hard or run the business well, then we suffer the consequences. And what are your, your top three tips for law students or Archland students who would like to start their own practice or have that sort of thought itching there um, where they want to be their own boss? So for me, definitely the pick your partners one is, is, is the top one. Like we talked about, picking your partners wisely, someone like-minded uh, who has the same goals, the same work ethic, and know that before you get into business if you're going to go out with a partner. Um, otherwise, if you're out on your own, make sure you have backups. You have a lawyer you trust because there are going to be times where you need someone to appear for you. You, you really need to rely on someone else, um, and it's picking the right person to do that. Um, the other thing I'd say is maintain a good reputation, be courteous, and be competent. And not just with your clients, but with other lawyers and with account, you know, court staff because you, you rely on a lot of these people. Uh, for referrals, for help if you need to file something and you've made a mistake and it's the last minute. You want the counter staff to like you, to appreciate that you're trying your best um, and showing up and doing the right thing um, and just courteous. So um, I think that's a really important piece and something that's really helped us build our business is that um, from our understanding, we have good reputations or so we're told and we get a lot of referrals. So that's been really helpful. Um, 
And then I'd say my third one is just uh, be competent. If you're going to go out on your own, get some experience first. I mean, it's tough. Not that you can't do it your first year, but to go out without any knowledge of, you know, that area of practice or the limited knowledge you can gain in articling, um, it might be better to, you know, at least wait a year, see it, you know, gain some more experience, gain some mentorship, take advantage if you are going to go out of other lawyers, because a lot of lawyers will offer time, sit down with you over coffee and tell you, you know, about case strategies that they've had, different cases they've had. We still to this day will sometimes speak with other lawyers. Um, did you know? Did you have a case like this? What did you do? So it's important to really rely on the, the legal community um, and other people for mentorship if you are going out on your own pretty early in your practice. Number one tip would be to find a mentor. No one can do this on their own. And there's nothing, there's no better feeling than having someone to call when an urgent uh, matter comes up or an important question and having that question answered by someone with more experience. Um, my second tip would be that communication with clients is key to their satisfaction and ultimately we are service providers so having our clients be happy with the services they received is our number one priority. Um, the most common complaints I find with clients is not necessarily the results that were obtained, but uh, how we communicated that to them um, throughout uh, them being our client. Even if your client has a not-so-great case, if you're able to communicate with them and give them reasonable expectations, uh, you can normally preempt any um, hard feelings or dissatisfaction. And Megan had touched on this earlier, but my last piece of advice that is, I think, very important is it is okay to refuse clients that aren't desirable. You'll never like your client more than at your first meeting with them. And if it isn't going well, then I would suggest that perhaps you recommend that they may want to speak with other lawyers and get second opinions. Most certainly. I think those are our tips that students and, and people who are looking to start their own practice would really appreciate. Um, and we're, we're almost about to wrap up, but uh, I would love to hear about some of the skills that contributed most to your success. I think from my perspective, I, I'd say just, you know, being, taking risks and being creative. Um, as a business owner, you know, it's important to find where you fit in the market of legal services, you know, um, are you picking a good field? If you're just one person, is it something you can really do on your own? And really just being creative with how you're going to offer your services. And that's where I think we had a lot of success with court coaches that were kind of filling a gap in the market that not a lot, a lot of lawyers do. So it's, it's trying to find out, you know, what can you offer or, you know, how can you tailor your, your, your services to really fit those, those gaps in the market or what real clients in your specific field need, um, and just, you know, doing your best at what you're doing, not spreading yourself too thin. A lot of lawyers make the mistake, they go out on their own and, and start dabbling in, you know, 10 different areas, uh, which especially early on, or if you're a 20 plus year lawyer, is really hard to do, uh, at least do well. So, you know, really focus your business on, on what you can handle and what you can do well, and uh, you should be successful. 
I would say the two skills that I think um, contributed to my success or that are necessary would be people skills. We are constantly in interaction with clients, other lawyers, court staff, uh, various other professionals, being able to listen, communicate, and problem solve with others, even if they're, uh, you know, their point of view is different from yours, or they're on the other team, or opposing counsel, being able to problem solve with them and is essential to your client's success. Uh, and the second skill would be working well under pressure. Uh, being able to manage your stress and cope uh, with difficult situations while remaining productive is is key because you will in you will inevitably have stressful situations and you you can't be paralyzed by them. What skills do you feel you could improve upon? Uh, I think this is true of everyone, but um, patience. We can have really long days at times, and and we can have frustrating clients or opposing parties or opposing counsel or anything, really, and you need to have the patience to power through it and not get frustrated. And I like to think I have a lot of patience, but I can always use more. I'd second that. I mean... That's probably the, the toughest part of our, of our days. I mean, you know, all our skills we're constantly working on. Um, but I think that's, a, that's a, 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 an important one. That's a constant test. <laughs> and if you weren't a lawyer, what would you do for work? I'd own a bakery. Ooh. 100%. I'd be a professional traveler. <laughs> I don't know that if that's a, a job, but I would create it. I think it is a it job. Is. It is. <laughs> people are all, people have like podcasts about traveling and Twitter and, and you get sponsored to travel and go to different yeah, places. I could still do that. That's, yeah. That's yeah. my retirement job. If the bakery opens, you should let us know. <laughs> we'll do. And we'll, we'll support do. you. Uh, what are you currently reading or listening to at the moment? Besides your work, of course, and uh, and whatnot, but I'm going to let Steph answer this one because I'm buried in a renovation at my house right now, so I haven't read anything in about a month. <laughs> I just finished uh, Room by Emma Donahue. She, that was the movie a couple years ago. It's an excellent book. It's from the perspective of a five-year-old, but it's excellent. Would you have a, a book or a podcast that you would recommend to some of our listeners? The law school show. That's what we recommend. <laughs> Agreed, yeah. Most certainly. Okay, perfect. So thank you so much to the two of you for taking the time out of your day uh, to share a bit about your practice and being so open and honest about uh, some of the challenges and the highs and the lows that you've experienced uh, throughout the, the almost three years. Yeah, we just years. celebrated yeah. Congratulations of uh, starting your own practice. So best of luck to the two of you. Thank and uh, we most certainly all look forward to hopefully maybe seeing the bakery and, and learning a bit more about your travels if that <laughs> <Yeah>. ends up happening. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or at our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook and get the latest updates from The Law School Show.
career advancing advice right to your earbuds.